As I walk amongst these foundations, I see concrete into solid rock, firm and sound. I remember walking amongst the foundations of the old city of Corinth. Rubble, not so firm, not so solid and grounded. Yet Paul writes to the people in Corinth in his first letter to the Corinthians, and we learn what's good about the church. God has built for us a solid foundation, sound and firm. Jesus is the head of our church. Well, good morning. It's good to be in church today, yeah? I think so. We've had a couple of weeks away. If any people don't know me, my name is Tim. Um, I'm rocking a bit of a holiday beard, so it's a bit of a disguise. It'll come off tomorrow, babe. It's okay. Um, Where we fit into the picture is we're actually missionaries with the Baptist Mission, and together with my family, we've been serving in Malawi for the last 12 years. plan is to go back at the end of this year and keep doing what God's called us to do. I guess our other claim to fame is that we're... I'm the child of Barry and Lois Downs. Missionary's been on the field for what? 100 years. We've been doing a series through Corinthians, yeah? Firmly founded. I need to tell you something. About two weeks ago, I got a call from a mate in Malawi. It's 3 a.m. That's normally when they call me, right? Because there's a time difference in Malawi. And I've, I've tried to explain it to my mates, but it's just not, <laughs> it's not taking traction. Well, mate Wind was telling me, he's one of the, one of the group leaders there. So, so, so there's a community of faith that's emerged amongst an Islamic community. And these are first-generation believers. They're the first ones in their village or in their family to make that step of allegiance to be followers of Jesus. And he rang me and he was quite, quite upset. He's saying, Baba, there's all these problems going on. We've got half a dozen people who want to get baptised, right? Which is really exciting. But when word got out, then another peop- ten people jumped on board in the village, so now we've got 16, and they all want to get baptised. But the problem is, six of them are legit, but the other 10, they're not. There's nothing in their life that would suggest these guys are followers of Jesus. And I don't think we should go through with it. The other leaders said they should go with it. I say we shouldn't go with it, and it's actually caused a bit of a fight. What do we do? So, so we correspond through WhatsApp, and I wrote a letter back. It's about this long. You know, I could have called that letter First Chilambo because it's the letter that I wrote to a small village in an African country called Malawi about advice of what I think God is telling me and what I've learned from the word about what they should do in this situation. I tell that story because it's almost exactly the same as what happened nearly 2,000 years ago with Paul. So on Paul's second missionary journey, he stayed in a place called Corinth for about 18 months. He had a couple of mates there, Priscilla and Aquila. They were tent makers just like Paul, and he worked with them. That was his trade. I guess on the weekends and maybe in the midweek meeting, he would share the gospel story. He stayed there for about 18 months, and he moved on. Four years after, the church had blossomed and grown, but there was a bit of quarrelling. There was some reports of immorality. So a particular household, it was a household of Chloe, they actually wrote a letter to Paul saying, hey, Paul, we need some help. There's some problems here. But the church actually wrote to him as well. So in response, 
Paul wrote them a letter. He called it First Corinthians. So that's a bit of the background of how it's placed today. Here's the passage. That's the title of the message. Anyway, the next slide. If you have your Bible, it would be good to read. If you have it on your phone, if you're like Jeff Shannon and you've memorised it, that's all right. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We start at verse 6 and we go through. Let me quickly pray. Father God, we are grateful for the opportunity to come together in church today and to come before your word. Holy Spirit, we would submit to you and ask that you would interpret this word as only you can. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. A couple of words really jump out, right? I reckon that the big idea in this passage could be captured with this sentence. God sends his Holy Spirit to reveal hidden wisdom of himself. Paul's pretty wordy and sometimes he, you know, he, he's so smart. He, he, chuck, he chucks so much into a little passage and it's hard to sort of follow sometimes. But if there's one big idea, let's take that away. God sends his Holy Spirit to reveal hidden wisdom about himself. Those who are mature or spiritual will have capacity to understand the message of the gospel. But those who don't have the spirit have got no chance. Have got no chance. There's three major points that I want to pick out, and they are these. A bit of an idea of where we're heading. Jesus Christ was a mystery. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ through preaching, and we receive Christ only 
by the Spirit. Jesus Christ was a mystery. A couple of weeks back, right, my son Jared got together with some of his buddies. Actually, they were a selection of his smartest friends at school. I don't know if it's official, but I suspect my son hangs out in the nerd group, right? These kids are like little mini geniuses. You know what they do at lunchtime? They hang out in the library to gain more knowledge. Anyway, they went and did this thing called um, an escape room. It's actually here in Townsville. So what happens is you, along with a selection of your... Babe, can you give me some water? I was going to have a swig at this water bottle, but it's gone missing. So Jared, along with a selection of his smartest buddies, gets locked into this room. And you've got a two-hour limit, and you've got to nut your way out of the room. So, so from my understanding, what happens when you get in there is there's, there's like puzzles, right? And there's, um, there's a whole, <clears throat> whole range of clues, there's challenges, there's hurdles, and you've got to navigate in order to get out. So these group of young geniuses, rather than putting their mind to solving COVID, they put their minds to getting out of this room. And with 12 minutes left on the clock, click, the door opened and they were free. They were heroes. It's pretty impressive. Not everybody gets out. This is a good example, I think, of what Paul's talking about when he talks about the wisdom of this age. It's good, right? It's, it's knowledge. It's It's intellect. It's resourcefulness, perseverance, and persistence. Using skills of reason and observation, these bright young stars conquered their challenge, and full credit to them. Paul's making a contrast in this verse. Thanks, baby. Paul's making a contrast in this verse of worldly wisdom and the hidden, mysterious wisdom of God. What he's boldly proclaiming is that no one could ever nut out the mystery of the gospel. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? Unless you have the Holy Spirit, you're just not going to get it. I find it a bit confronting because it seems Paul's saying to us, there's things that you don't have what it takes. No eye has seen what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God, things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. You know, this has been one of my favourite verses for a long time. I'm actually building a house at the moment and I've written this in big texture on the floor. Whether you're a plumber or a lecky or any tradie, they always see this big thing written on the ground because it's one of my favourite verses as a follower of Jesus. I kind of always interpreted that that it meant what God has prepared for us in the future, and it's like a picture of heaven, or it's like what God's prepared for those people who call themselves believers here on earth. But but it's not really how Paul is using this phrase. It's really clear actually how he's using it, and within context. Paul is explaining the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age never understood the truth of Jesus the Saviour. If he did, they would have not have crucified him. Their eyes didn't see it and their ears couldn't hear from him for what he was saying. Their hearts didn't imagine what this Lord of glory, who he was, so they crucified him. 
He's backing up his claim earlier that saying this mystery of the gospel, people didn't get it. They didn't put it together. It can't mean us because in verse 10 it says, these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. So if we are the people who have the Holy Spirit, then Paul is saying we actually understand. Our eyes do see the reality of who Jesus is. We can understand it. But the people of the, the, the wisdom of this age, it was a mystery. If it had been revealed to them, they would never have crucified Christ. I think it's also interesting where Paul, he, Paul pulls out a bit of a quote just before that he says, as it is written. You know, I did a bit of a search, right? I don't know where Paul is drawing from this, but as it is written, it's not written. That phrase, you can't really find it. There's a couple of references where, where you might pick out two or three of those words and people have assumed, oh, it comes from a bit of Isaiah 64, and it's also in Isaiah 65, 14. And I think Paul was being a bit cheeky. I think what Paul was doing is he's saying, as it is written in the whole Old Testament, we've got this idea of a redemptive story of God and his plan to bring people back to himself. And the idea at the moment is Jesus is the pinnacle of that redemptive plan but they didn't get it. They couldn't see it, even though it was in the Old Testament. We can look back now and see all these prophecies, but it's only because we look back now. At the time, they couldn't pick it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't hear him. And they couldn't believe that this guy from this, this, this carpenter could be the coming Messiah. They just couldn't perceive it. Isn't it amazing that that was the reality that they lived in? They didn't get it, yet, yet we take for granted. Oh, no, no, that's who he was. It's quite incredible. Make no mistake, that understanding has come to us through the Holy Spirit, for which we just are grateful. Paul does speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but it's not the worldly wisdom of polished rhetoric or clever persuasive arguments, which apparently the people in Corinth were into. It's the simple, straightforward truth of a message revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's that this Jesus, the promised Saviour, who is God's final plan in redemptive history for both Jew and Gentile, is who he was. Seems simple enough, right? But the reality is it's not simple because people then, as well as people now, just can't believe it. They can't absorb that. They reject the gospel. I think it's important that we understand Paul is rejecting wisdom of this age in relation to understanding the gospel. There's some pretty smart people out there, right? But our Bible tells us that he who says there is no God is a fool. You can be as smart as you like, right? in the wisdom of this age, but if you're someone who rejects God, then there's a category that you fall into. It's a category of a fool. It's full on, isn't it? Because we like to suck worldly wisdom and draw from it and use it. We need to place it where it belongs. It needs to always, the wisdom of this age, hear me on this, the wisdom of this age needs to always remain subservient to spiritual revelation. 
The most learned theologians of Paul's day, they had them, Pharisees, Sadducees, they were pretty sharp. They were the rulers of the age and in their wisdom, they put Jesus on the cross. We can see today in our world, drawing on worldly wisdom, we can make some really silly mistakes. There's a lot of current issues in the newspaper at the moment, there have been over the last few years. And I guess from worldly wisdom, we, we understand them from a different perspective. We, we look at it through a historical perspective. We look at issues through a cultural perspective. We, we look at things through a social perspective. We, we have economic understanding. We have emotional. And from all of those viewpoints, we can make a really clear argument about all sorts of things. Socially, that's the best thing to do. Economically, that's the best thing to do. Compassionately, that's the best thing to do. But, but we as believers, we also always need to put in another perspective into how we understand things. And it's from a theological perspective. The economic wisdom might say it's good to do that. But from a theological perspective, we say, well, we, we don't have a say in that realm. Socially, it might be seen as a clever thing to do. But theologically, we just have to pull back and say, well, God's got another angle on that. We're looking, we're looking for, for answers to questions we actually don't have the right to ask because God's already made that clear. That's spiritual wisdom. That's maturity. Current trends. We do well not to let them smash us, but always put in that biblical, theological perspective. Another point. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ through preaching. Paul uses words, speech, a lot in this phrase. Okay, stick with me, right? Chindu chele mundo. Ganichi wonije kapena, ganichi pikane, atumosi, kuchiganisye, kweni, yele yili yindu yele nungu, walinganichisye, wandu wakunon yela, yolakwejo. How'd we go? Put your hand up if you're multilingual in this service. You got a couple of languages. Okay. Got nothing? Put your hand up if you've like been to Africa. Okay. Still got nothing? What if you've got an African friend? What if you watched a show where someone was speaking? Like, has anybody seen the Black Panther? You still got nothing? I'll read it again. Chindu chele mundu, gani chiwone jekipena, gana chipikane, atumose, kuchiganisye, kwene, yele yili indu yele, lungu, walinga nchisye, wandu wakunon yala, yolakwe jo. Should I do it again? We're not, we're, I'm never going to land this plane, am I? I've got an idea. I'm going to get an interpreter up to help me. Can my interpreter come up to help me? Now, I need to tell you something about this interpreter. Hear me? It knows the language really well. This interpreter, it was in Africa the whole time that I was. It learnt language better than any other white woman I know. It's actually very, very well equipped to explain this because it knows as much of this language as I do. I'm going to it to share right now. 
it might have a few words to say with you after the service. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Um, so this actually is a passage that is what we've already read. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Ginyonyelo is love. Um, Thank you for inviting me up here. Now I'm going to take this moment <laughs> to share a bit of my wisdom. <laughs> in our journey of going to Malawi, what we saw is a change in our own worldview. So when you see life from your upbringing, from your culture, from your um, parents, from the wisdom that God, sorry, the wisdom that people have given you in your life if you've grown up, that's how you see the world. That's your worldview. That's how we interpret scripture, that's how we look at our problems, and that's how we see the world. I'm going to show a quick picture, the next slide. That is represented in this lady here. Let's call her Jane. Jane has problems. She sees things in her life that she's not happy with. Maybe she fights with her husband every now and then, maybe her kids aren't doing as well as she'd like, maybe she's not as disciplined as she wanted to be, she's got some... Um, mental health issues perhaps, she's real. She may even live in Townsville, you might know her. If she sees life as her upbringing has shown her, she won't have the tools to understand all that God wants for her. We've found that when we went to Malawi, we were completely exposed to a different worldview. It blew our minds. People saw things completely different. They acted different. Their behaviours were different and we were left to kind of understand what that means. Bringing that understanding back to Townsville has been hard for us because we see things differently now. We interpret behaviours differently because we've got a different worldview. I believe what Tim's saying through this passage is that God has a worldview for us that is so much bigger, so much richer, and his interpreter, the Holy Spirit, is with us to show us this worldview to blow Jane's mind of all the things that he has. The disappointing thing is sometimes we as a church, we as individuals, will use our worldly wisdom to interpret spiritual issues. We'll resort to what we know has happened in the past so that that will help us without calling on God because the Holy Spirit is not predictable. It's not set on our parents' upbringing. It's not set on even our cultural wisdom worldwide. It's far greater. It's far better. I want to share that with you. Didn't she do well? <laughs> Murray, Murray physically went stiff when I said it. And it was uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Wasn't it? Every time that I referred to my wife as it, it was, it was grinding on us. And it's like, okay, Tim, you've made your point. Stop saying it. There's a couple of things I want to pull out of that little skit, right? My wife is very much a she. And, and for me to refer to her as it, well, it's, it's offensive, isn't it? But why is it offensive? It's offensive because it disregards the relationship that we have. Mel could be upset, she could be angry, she could be saddened, she could be embarrassed. Actually, actually the Bible has a word for it, grieved. 
my wife would be grieved if I held her in the wrong position. It's exactly what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. We can hurt him. Why? Because we are breaking relationship. It's beautiful, isn't it? There's another thing that I want to bring out of that little skit. The Holy Spirit, she, I mean he, will possibly go off the menu. I asked Mel to come up and share what that verse was. But she actually took it a bit further than what I think she might do. And I'm sitting here going, I wonder where Mel's going to go with this. You see what's going on here? That's how it is with the Holy Spirit. Because we're in relationship with him, we will trust him to reveal and to share what he feels we need to learn. Wouldn't it be complete, wouldn't it be disastrous if I walked over next to Mel and said, yeah, that's enough, babe? Wouldn't that be entirely inappropriate? Or even worse, if I went over and said, no, no, babe, what I wanted you to share was this and this. Wouldn't that be inappropriate? The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a wind. It's, it's, hang on, it's unpredictable. He's unpredictable, like the wind. Which means he's a bit volatile, I guess. Which means he's a bit dangerous. We have no right to assume we can control that relationship. We submit to it in faith and in trust. It's because of love. Baby, thanks for doing what you did. And surprising even me. Remember the people, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand and what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Remember, these people in Corinth, they, they only had the Old Testament at that stage. And a couple of letters. Actually, this first Corinthians letter, interestingly enough, there, there was a letter before this. So technically speaking, this should have been second, but the first letter was lost. So they had a list of things, and their understanding of spiritual realities had been taught to them by Paul's preaching, largely. Preachers would do well to heed Paul's words here. Once again, he shares that his speech and words are not human wisdom, but instead words taught by the Spirit. Paul was sharp. I already made that point. But at the start of this very chapter, he, he, he opens like this. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, with a demonstration instead, with, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith not, not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. I reckon Paul is sticking it to the audience there. He knows that they like persuasive words. He likes that they like polished rhetoric. He knows that they like great arguments. And he's saying, yeah, but that's not 
what kick goals for me. I gave you, he is nailing his audience saying, your idea of your wisdom, it's not what's going to make it. Paul's message was as a witness. He was never a salesman. He never attempted to persuade anyone into the kingdom. Actually, it appears that he says he was weak with great fear and trembling. Our confidence needs to always remain in the message, never our presentation. I guess this is why. If you're clever enough to persuade someone into the kingdom, then there's a chance that down the track someone a bit cleverer than you can persuade them out of the kingdom, yeah? Paul saying, I didn't use clever persuasion to get you on. I shared a simple message and the Holy Spirit landed that plane for you. There's an old adage that says, what you attract someone with is what you attract them to. And anybody who stands here, we better be attracting them with Jesus. Paul is consistent in accrediting understanding to the Holy Spirit, we can easily default to projecting our own our scripture, our own reasoning and our own understanding based on our smarts and our experience. Paul nails this. He goes, no one knows the thoughts of God, no one, except the Spirit of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. It's kind of a bit like us with our pets, right? We project our human emotions onto our pets. Probably striking a chord here. Paul says, we can't even know the thoughts of another human being, let alone the thoughts of our cat or our dog. Not even going to look up because someone's probably glaring at me. We have some chickens at home, right? Sometimes they're running around. We had this one chicken who was a real bully, picking on the others. So we ate it for dinner. Now the other chickens, you know how the other chickens felt about that? Neither do I. How do you know? The next day was just like the day before and the day after. They got they got a pea-sized brain, right? You got no idea what's going through there. Let's not fool ourselves to think we can know the mind of Christ. What we can do is submit to the Holy Spirit and let him take on us a journey that he thinks is fit. We Baptists, we love the word of God. We have theologians, we have commentaries and different translations, often years of reading and studying. And it's been said of Baptists that we, we are people who love God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. And I guess what they're saying is we are people who love the Word, and that's great. I love that my, my heavenly judge is God the Father. I love that Jesus took the hit for me on the cross, and then I've got the book to tell me how to get on with it. What Paul's saying is, no, 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 let's never lose the position of the Holy Spirit in that mix. So, so in doing that, there's always that. Remember the words I used earlier? Dangerous, volatile, unpredictable. They can only be accepted through faith, obedience and love. Let's never say, this is what the bird says and I am not open. One of my Bible college lecturers once said to me, he goes, there's actually 
Not so much danger in what you don't know, Tim. There's danger in what you think you do know. And I guess what he was saying is be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. He was saying that and Paul's saying that. It would be wrong for me to try and control my interpreter. We receive Christ only by the Holy Spirit. It makes it really clear. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This is critically important truth to remember when we're sharing or witnessing with others. One cannot understand or accept the message of the gospel. I remember sharing with a workmate, right? He was one of my apprentices, so I had time, and I was spamming him with the gospel day after day. And one morning, before I kicked into it, he said, Hey, Tim, I, got, I want to ask you a question. So this whole being a Christian thing, my understanding is I, I lay down my life, my dreams, my desires, and my plans, and I say, God, I accept that you have a better plan for my life, and I'm going to let you take the wheel from here on in. And I said, bro, that's it. That's it. And just as I was going to close on him, he goes, yeah, no, nah, no good. He goes, I, I, I already have a plan for my life. I actually know where I want to be in five years and ten years, and no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to accept this. It seemed he understood, but he couldn't accept, or maybe he didn't accept because he didn't really understand. Either way. I suspect the Holy Spirit wasn't pushing on him, was he? Tim, his boss, was. But the Holy Spirit wasn't. He will never understand without the work of the Holy Spirit, and we will never understand. That's the big point. It keeps on coming back. A person's response to the message is an indicator of whether the Holy Spirit is at work in them or not. There is nothing we can say or do to make them receive the message. As a missionary... This sits a bit uneasy with me because I like to think that because I went around and got supporters and I moved to another country, right, and because I diligently went out and learnt a new language and because I learnt a new culture, because I eat a new food and I made relationships and friendships and I sit in a village, I kind of think that maybe I had something to do with them receiving the message because I worked really hard. Paul is flatlining it by saying, unless the Holy Spirit brings revelation. If Tim did do anything, I guess it was my obedience in going where Jesus sent me. If I did anything, it was when Jesus said, come follow me, I said, okay. Oswald Chambers writes, stick with me here because I know this church, Northridge, loves C.S. Lewis. So I'm pulling out a quote from someone else. I'm thinking it's going to tra gain traction, and in three years when we come back from the field, Oswald will be the man. Oswald Chambers writes, no disrespect to CS, Oswald Chambers writes, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of time, but by the obedience to the will of God. The Apostle Paul writes, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, 
but not the wisdom of this age. Okay, Northridge, in closing. By these accounts, how are we going? Do we understand this mystery of Jesus, which God has kept secret through the ages? Do we understand it? Okay, Northridge, how are we going? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ through the preaching of his word? It's a funny thing of how it works. If you don't like a preacher, you won't really get much from him. And if you don't get much from him, you won't like him. We need to come through that door with a commitment to say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to hear what you have to say to me. Okay, Northridge, how are we going? Can we accept that we and those around us will only accept Christ through the revelation brought by his Holy Spirit? Because in doing that, we accept a, a weakness, an inadequacy. If we answered yes to all of them, then we can be counted among the mature. And if we're among the mature... I'll tell you one good thing about it. There's less likelihood that people will trip over you and trip over me on their way to Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that it is <laughs> that you will do the heavy lifting. You will bring clarity, understanding and interpretation to your word. And our prayer is that you sink it in our hearts today. So it changes who we are tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.